Welcome to Secrets from the Saddle podcast. I'm Sylvie Daou, your host, fellow cyclist, bike club founder, cycling coach, bike race junkie, just truly super passionate about cycling. My journey with cycling started 20 years ago when I opened a spin studio, started a women's race team, and founded a women's only cycling club called Cycle Fit Chicks. I'm super thrilled to reveal all aspects that make the world of cycling operate. I'm so excited to be able to bring you interesting people from around the world, pro cyclists, recreational cyclists, coaches, event organizers, bike shop owners, everything and everyone you need to know or ever wondered about when it comes to cycling. I know you'll enjoy this episode. All right, everyone, welcome back to another episode of Secrets from the Saddle All Things Cycling Podcast with your host, Sylvie Daoud. And we have with us a very special individual. This is actually marking the start of our race series that I started last year to do at the beginning of the year because I know this is the part of this is the time of the year everybody's kind of like all right we're training and now we're going to start filling up our race calendar with all sorts of events and for me last year that's how I got on to adding two events to my summer and I hope this helps you explore and find new events that you might not have heard about. So we have with us Mayor Damien Boley. Is it Boley? Yes. Excellent. Um, He is from Smithville, Missouri. So he is the mayor of Smithville, Missouri. And he is going to be talking about the Humphreys gravel adventure that happens on May 6. So we are super excited to have him. He's also going to be dropping a promo for anyone to use this code to get 20, uh, 25% off registration. So mark this down before you get into, before we get into the podcast, it is, I love gravel and, um, the link to the event will be in the show notes, but I'm sure that Damien will share that with you. So welcome to the podcast episode, Damien. Thanks for having me. Appreciate the the time today. I love it. I love that. So a little background, both of us know the beautiful and energetic Pamela Harper, who has put together a Facebook page called I love gravel racing. So if you're into gravel and racing, or maybe just like gravel, you should follow that page. But I put a call out to all event organizers to join me on the podcast to talk about their events. So that's how I found Damien. And I just want to thank you again. But um, my first question is always, how did you get into cycling? (laughs) Sorry, my wife's fucking in. That's what Uh, I know. I saw her pop in there. (laughs) Yeah. Um, that's right. You can edit that out or whatever. Um, so I got into cycling when I was a kid, like everyone else did. That's how we got to our friend's house. And when I turned 16, I have no idea what happened to my bike. I really don't. And, um, I spent hours sanding and repainting the thing almost every summer. Um, and my buddy that I rode with all those years, um, he was about a mile away. So I'd ride to his house or he'd ride to my house and we'd play games. 
And then our other friend lived out on a gravel road. Like he was 200 yards down a gravel road and we'd never ride to his house because it was on gravel. And we're just on BMX, you know, bikes, even though the tires are plenty now that we think about it, but <laughs> we'd never ride to his house. And um, then we, you know, I'd borrow my mom's 10 speed and we'd go ride on some longer stuff once in a while when we got a little bit older. But once we turned 16, bikes disappeared and we quit carrying. And then mm-hmm. a few years ago, he got in, he kept talking to us about bikepacking and gravel. And Is this your buddy? Yeah, same guy. We've been friends since we were 10 and wow. yeah, 30, 32 years. Um, his wife's uh, my cycling coach and um, <laughs> she was she was into triathlons, which we will never do. But we always camp together every year. And he kept talking to us about bikepacking and gravel. And he's like, you guys just need to get a bike. And finally, we're like, I went over. I went to a bike shop. Didn't have a good experience because oh. I had bought a cheap bike from a guy in town who fixes up bikes and sells them. But I was like, I want some different tires and some different components. I took it to a shop. They pretty much laughed at me for bringing in this cheap bike. Um, so I went and rode it. I, you know, I did some work myself, went and rode the bike, had fun on a trail, went to a different shop that I still have a really good relationship with and bought a $2,000 gravel bike. And <laughs> sorry yep. to the other shop that missed out on the sale. But that's a story you hear way too many times about people mm-hmm. trying to get into cycling as an adult. Um, in 2017, I started Smithville Bike Co-op as an online group. Uh, that's oh, the say that again? Right now. I started the Smithville Bike Co-op as a, it was an online group. Okay. So it's kind of, let's try to get together and do some rides. Let's okay. talk about what tools each of us has to be able to like share stuff, you know, uh, home, kind of working out of my garage. In 2019, November, I finally, after fighting for two years to find a space in our downtown, I finally got a space and then the pandemic started. So um, <laughs> now the shop is a, is a Trek partner store, still Smithville Bike Co-op. <gasps> okay, so we I are, saw that. That's yours. Yeah, yeah so uh, that's where I'm sitting right now. Um, we also have Paradise, I have Paradise Outfitters just on the other side of the lake. Um, which are still ramp bikes. We have 30 miles of paved trails on that side of the lake and a lot of single track. Mm-hmm. And you couldn't get a tube if you had a flat in town. So now you have two spots to go grab a tube if you need mm. um, Yeah, so that's, I, I really don't do anything halfway as you can tell. So um, got back into cycling, loved bikepacking. The Katy Trail goes across the state of Missouri. I wish I would have known about it when I was in like college because that would have been a great way to just go have fun for free, pretty much. Just ride your bike on the Katy. Um, so we bike packed the Katy a few times. We've done a lot of bigger bike packing, like Trans South Dakota, Cannonball. Um, done a few gravel races. I'm, getting, I'm signed up for Mid South again because I like wrecking everything in March. Um, <laughs> if you've never done, if you've never done Mid South, uh, Mid South is very muddy and cold usually. So yeah, it wrecks your bike, wrecks your body, but it's fun. Um, <laughs> So anyway, yeah, I, it, it's really because, uh, you know, my childhood friends, we decided we're getting older, we need a way to stay in shape and bikes was, are fun. So I, I love two of them. <laughs> I think, you know, Damien, I think more of us at this age who love cycling are looking for that kind of outlet. Because I know for myself that, you know, um, just thinking about the event that we're going to put on in like the vision that I have for it. I'm like, and then I look at some of these others, like, like, I don't know you yet, but I'm sure it's the same. Like I just, I look at Matt Acker. I'm sure you've heard of him. 
and some of the other organizers um, and the lifestyle that comes with like being an event organizer. Um, and, uh, you know, of course, you can't just do that because you need multiple things, but it is a great way to keep active and giving back and also um, a little bit extra. So, uh, yeah, I think uh, you're, you've, uh, is, so is that, is that kind of one of your main things, like the bike shop? being mayor and having the events um i also have a day job i'm a director oh you have for, a big, for big financial yeah so my wife gives me <laughs> hell uh, she she says i have six jobs and she upgraded to seven the other day because uh, a couple months ago she said i'm her assistant now uh she, <laughs> oh, she I, managing you home, or managing I, everything i manage her um <laughs> she uh she's a she teaches for colleges i teach at a couple of colleges Oh, wow. um, I'm a director of technology, which normally most people in my career field, that's all they do is they just, they, they work a lot of hours. They make sure servers and systems work yeah. and they, you know, you're, you're on call 24 seven. Um, and it really, I've seen so many people die young or have <sighs> a lot of health issues in our field. Mm -hmm. So I'm like, I have to make health and fitness and, and getting up and moving in priority. Um, because of that, I've been doing this for, I'm, I'm 42. I've been doing this since I was 19 and sitting in a desk chair hundred hours a week, you know, it's bad for you. So mm. uh, yeah, that's not the only thing I do. And I'm a serial entrepreneur. I love consulting on boards. <laughs> I, I, I just, I love to travel. Um, it's an outlet. And, and you, when you mentioned the event directing, I love event directing. I love event planning, but I always tell people that I'd rather ride a hundred miler event every day than event direct sometimes because it is so <laughs> stressful because you're you're worried about every single person on the bike while they're out yeah. there not just when you're riding you're worried about yourself and you know yeah. what to do to take care of yourself the 500 people that could show up to an event you know it's one unfortunate accident away from from having a really bad day yeah and, you're right you know even people getting flats it stresses me out but God forbid something major happened, but uh -huh. anyway. Yes. Yeah, I can uh, I can attest to that for sure. Because you know, I guess the more the more people you bring out, the more stress is added to the top to make sure that everybody makes it back. <laughs> makes yeah, it back always, across the finish line. Yeah, I always that's what the guys that help me design the course, I always tell them they want more gravel more gravel more off-road i'm like you need a break every once in a while from just getting beat up by gravel uh -huh. uh, but we also need we also need to be able to get out there but i don't want to break people's bikes right if you do mid-south you're guaranteed you're probably going to break your bike on a rainy year um and have to replace the derail or a chain or something i want people to finish and i want people to not have flats have and not have problems and and plenty of water right mm -hmm. having mm -hmm. limited water stops on a race to me is just ridiculous when people oh we're going to limit water stop no have 100 who cares like to encourage the people along your course to put out coolers for people like it's yeah if you get dehydrated it's bad yes and you know what i know like you know like you said when you're when you're designing you know, you want it to be like over the top, right? And, and uh, you know, off the beaten path, but you're right. Like these, these places can take people where they're probably not comfortable 
and not prepared for it. Um, and if you don't, if if you don't know how to manage a flat, then it could be bad news. Like I I did a race um, uh, called Reggie Ramble, and I got a flat going up like a, a very steep hill. Like, thankfully, it was close to the top, and luckily. I'm good with changing flats, but the girl behind me got a flat at the same time, same place. So there's the two of us and she didn't have half the tools. And she, and you know, if she had been by herself, it would have been a really not, not a good, you know, ending. And thankfully I was there with all the extra, I have patches yeah. and everything. We had to patch it and patch mine and, and, um, and then, uh, you know, having a proper pump and all these things, it, it really is, you really have to plan. Like you can't just go out there like it's a road race, but. Yeah, and, and luckily I'm surrounded by planners and uh, <laughs> we, we actually have spreadsheets. We have, it, it's funny is you go to a, a shop and you'll buy a new gravel bike and drop a lot of money or bikepacking bike and then you'll want a bag for it and they won't have anything. And it's all special order. We try to keep three of everything in stock that you would need. So if it's you and a friend and then we have a spare. Um, we have lists of like, oh, if you're gonna go out and do a 50 miler, this is oh. all the stuff you're gonna need. If you're gonna do hundred, this is all the stuff you're gonna need. This is how many water bottles you're gonna need. This is how many you know, endurance packs you're gonna need. If you're gonna do a 200 miler, this is what kind of how you want your setup. And we've learned because we went out and done it and been knuckleheads and tried to change out a bladder instead of the whole pack. Like changing a bladder during unbound is not easy. Changing a pack is super easy. So, oh, geez. Yeah. Okay. So, like, you know, filling it up, you mean? And then, yeah, yeah. Filling it up or just swapping out the bladder itself. Like, just have an extra, like, have two packs and swap them out. Oh, go. my God. Like, yeah. You're so right. <laughs> yeah. It's like a bad experience we can talk about and say, oh, yeah, if you're out bikepacking, yes, I know this weighs a little bit more, but you're going to thank me that you have a coffee mug with you on a three-day event and <laughs> you can fill up with hot coffee like yeah it might weigh a little true. more but you're you're going to be out there like that so who cares yeah like uh i don't think you should be thinking about weight so now damien tell me about becoming mayor and what's that what's that meant to you and uh what have you done with your yeah the <laughs> if you look at the news right now and look at the political world you probably say why would anybody ever want to do anything like that um most of your mayors are uh, community servants we don't get paid a lot we get paid my salary is 300 dollars a month it's a stipend to help cover <gasps> gas or travel or whatnot in, in bigger cities than us it's not much more um oh. there's very few mayors that get to do it as a job right you watch my, my daughter's been watching stranger things and i'm watching it with her and like the mayor's got this giant, like, no way. That's not how it really is. Um, <laughs> my daughter was in kindergarten and I was 37, which is very rare for a, a not big city mayor to run for office. Um, I heard a lot of the moms complaining about a lot of things going on in town, a lot of people complaining. And and I said, you know, yeah, I should do something about it. And they're like, no, we don't want to. I was like, well, and so I started watching a lot of board meetings I had never really went to, I never went to a board meeting. I never went to watch a city hall board meeting in person. I never really set foot in there until I was sworn in. Um, but I started studying. Were you into politics? Not really. No, no, I was, I was just like, this is screwed up and they need some leadership. And 
I don't want to run for alderman or you know, city council. It's board of aldermen here. And I was like, I'm going to run for mayor. And we had a mayor who'd been in office for eight years as mayor, three years before that as an alderman. He was in his 60s, like the typical town of our mm-hmm. size mayor. People were like, you're not going to win. I was like, yeah, but at least maybe I can get some information out there of what the town really wants to look like. Because at the time, our demographic had shifted from a town with a bunch of people in their closer to retirement to a town where the average age was my age at the time, which was 37. Better schools, more kids. We mm-hmm. had this beautiful Corps of Engineers Lake that was built in the 70s that wasn't being utilized. We had zero paved trails in town and people want to ride bikes. And mm-hmm. there's tons of paved trails in the county part of it and single track. I said, and I went to go pay the water bill. And as you saw at the beginning, my wife walked in to hand me a drink. Um, I went to go pay the water bill. She would probably never ask me to do something like that again. I came home and I said, I paid the water bill. And by the way, I also signed up to run for mayor. And <laughs> she goes, okay, but at least you paid the water bill. Um, <laughs> that didn't and, sink and we, in too much. And, and we didn't talk about it much until they announced it after filing was done. I, we, me and her talked about it, but we didn't talk about it to other people. We didn't really do a lot of marketing or campaigning. Um, I was involved with coaching soccer with my daughter and, and our church and different things like that. PTO. I was a, I was the school supply chair for our, our PTO. So every single person got a order form right before the election with my name on it. Um, wow. Saying if you need school supplies, order from Damien. And um, I bought a couple signs. And when it came time to do like the community forum, where it's type you know, kind of like a debate, um, people saw what I had to offer versus the do nothingness of the previous administration. And we are in the north side of Kansas City is the fastest growing area in the metro and we were having no growth no, nothing was really happening they were oh. just kind of stagnant and I won 60 40 and it was um kind of cool I wanted 500 votes because nobody had ever had 500 votes and won a mayoral mayoral election uh, I got wow. 490 I got 497 and won and was disappointed about that um the ballot but at the same time on the ballot there was a bond issue and a sales tax that i campaigned harder for because that was going to be a tipping point for our community of saying let's see if the voters actually want to spend a little more money and redo our downtown and put in some bike lanes and a trail and that's what was on the ballot two trails and downtown ada sidewalks because our downtown was not ada accessible so people in wheelchairs and people pushing strollers they couldn't get around um so we said that was more, this community said, that's important. Let's spend money on that. And I could deliver that vision. And now uh, I'm in my fifth year. Um, so I've been through two other elections since then. So how long is your, how long is your term? Is it like two years or? They're two year terms, but on the November ballot, we put on four year terms and see if the voters would say, let's do it. And it, we didn't, market it we just put it on the ballot and it, it came out uh, i think about 64 percent of our people wanted four-year terms so if i do run again in 24 it'd be for a four-year term um 2020 election got moved due to the pandemic but nobody ran against me 2022 election was brutal but i finally <laughs> got my 500 votes um we had 1600 voters turn out it was a three-way race and it was very politically charged as you see on the news mm-hmm. on every school board everything people are trying to run for office that because they they hate masks they hate vaccines they hate whatever 
um, we had people that hate cycling. So they, you know, we don't want any more bike lanes. We don't want any more bikes in our community. We want people to stop coming here. So let's run for office to stop it. Um, they lost. I got my, I finally <laughs> got my 500 votes. Uh, I, I got uh, 800 and some. Um, but it is, it is a community service role, most mayors. And what I tell people is you have two senators, you have one governor. Missouri has 900 mayors. What? Mayors can get a lot done. Every, think about it, every little town has a mayor. Oh, wow. Oh, I guess you so. Yeah, you can get a lot of things done. Like in the Kansas City Metro alone, we have over 40 communities. And some Holy. of those people are elected and they do nothing and they just serve because they owned the local insurance agent and they ran and they were popular enough to be in charge and they want to make mm. sure that their town stays the way they wanted to stay. Um, you can get a lot done. And if you build that coalition with other mayors and, and go to the state and fight for things, um, you can move the needle a lot more than you can trying to get your senator to do something or your governor to do something. You, we now have in Kansas City more trails and I actually have it on my desk, our regional trail map that Mid-America Regional Council puts out. Um, and, you know, making those connections with other mayors in the Northland, being at the time the youngest elected mayor, um, the, they've now put me on Mid-America Regional Council, which is our um, metropolitan planning organization, which handles all our federal dollars for the nine county area across Missouri and Kansas. And I'm on the executive board, so I'll be the chair in a few years we have a $110 million budget. And when you're sitting at the table and the fight is over landscaping at a bus stop in the inner city versus a trail <laughs> that connects a school to a housing authority so that kids that don't have cars can walk, somebody's gotta be in there fighting for that or else yeah. the bus stop's gonna get landscaped. Right. And that's, what, that's what got me involved. I, I was looking at my daughter in kindergarten saying, I want her, I always tell people it was selfish. I want my grandkids to want to live here and visit here mm -hmm. and not just be as somebody that goes to school here and then moves. I've told our school district many times, we teach our kids how to leave. And that's not uh, what builds a community. We, right. we tell them, get done with school, go to college, get a job. And by the way, you can't afford to buy a house here until you're in, your kids are in high school. So go away. Um, <laughs> we've done a really bad job with multifamily, with affordable housing, with entry-level housing, with starter homes it's all mcmansions and subdivisions and mcmansions we're trying to, <laughs> we're, trying to we're trying to oh my gosh i gotta bit, use right? that <laughs> yeah but, but but if you think about it from a demographic standpoint right the people like you said the people that do what we do the people that are getting a couple years in their career that want to get a little healthier they'll probably mm -hmm. go buy a bike or get a gym membership or do something and we weren't capitalizing on that we had we had zero coffee shops and eleven thousand people that were average age 30 average age 37 you had no place to get a cup of coffee other than like mcdonald's or sonic oh wow wow now we have now we have now we have three ones right down the street from the bike shop and people <laughs> will come and grab a cup of coffee before the race and you know it's a small town coffee shop that is run by a, a 25 year old girl that's graduated from here and came back and uh, is now on our board of Alderman. Oh, she, that's inspirational. I got, mm -hmm. I got her to, I talked her into running. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I mean, who do you want by your side, right? Like a local yeah. entrepreneur who is young and has a vision. 
Um, but, you know, I agree with you with the uh, affordable housing. It's the same here in Chelsea. It's uh, just big houses. And, and the thing is, like you said, like the kids who grew up and finished college, uh, college can't afford to live here. So they have to go to the city, you know, and, it, and the same with like seniors and, and it's a big yeah. problem. Like, yeah. You, like you these age, McMansions. You like you said, yeah. <laughs> yeah. If, if you want to sell it and go to a ranch style house, even like, so the thing is we have ranch style houses that are just as expensive that those seniors want to downsize into but they're not available because they're all, you know, nobody's building them anymore. So yeah, yeah, yeah. you have to think about the community as a whole. And, and I always tell people, you know, if teachers can't afford to live there, who's telling your kid what to do when they're downtown on the weekends? Because that's what put the fear of God in me where on the weekends, if I saw one of my teachers, I straightened up real quick. But if they can't <laughs> afford to live, if they can't live in your community, then it's harder for them. to. to yeah, that's, uh, there's something wrong there. So tell me about... Um the Humphreys gravel adventure and how that came to be because it's been yeah, like so, you mentioned it's about fifth year running and uh we've got that promo for anyone 25 percent off to go and register with the code i love gravel um but how did that get started damien so i volunteered at a race called cool hand luke which is over in Leavenworth, kansas uh Clay and Luke's a movie for those uh, younger folks listening um, about a guy who breaks out of prison and Leavenworth has a huge <laughs> prison. The name of Clay and Luke. So I, I, I volunteered at that one. I was like, this is a lot of fun. And I wrote it uh, before too. And then I went and did Opawapu, which is in Excelsior Springs. They uh, unfortunately are not doing their event anymore. And I, at the time, our downtown that we had started that construction project that said sort it of passed uh, for our downtown. Uh, so I got elected in April and we started construction. And Opawapu was in June. Uh, me being very uh, unaware of how the GPS reads on certain programs versus others, we looked at the race and we'd done a 50 a couple times. And I was looking at Opawapu and I was like, well, the elevation between the 50 and the 100 is only like 1500 feet difference so they must be going down by the river bottom that's what it said and i'm like <laughs> well they must be going down by the river bottoms it must be a lot of flats or you know we're just getting in and out of the town because i knew there was hills around the town and so we called the event director and said hey can we upgrade to the 100 because my buddy really wanted to do 100 i'm like i'll do it with you it's fine like 100 kilometers or 100 miles 100 100 miles oh 100 milers so we went from the 50 mile to the 100 miler and it was supposed to be seven it was supposed to be a high of 78 that day and we're like this is perfect weather to do 100 so we call him on thursday for a saturday race and said hey can we upgrade he goes everybody else is downgrading i'm like no no we want to do 100 and we get out there it was i think it was almost twelve thousand feet of climbing so it was way off it got over 100 degrees that day there was not very many water stops at the 50 mile mark we were at mid pack by the time we were at 75 everyone else behind us had dropped and we're like we're not stopping we're finishing this thing and luckily like we found some water on the side of the road type of stuff and, and across the finish line the event directors are like hey i'm having to cut off because y'all took too long it wasn't even dark yet like it wasn't like we we're taking forever he had ran out of beer so we split a hot me and my buddy finished <laughs> our first hundred split a hot pbr in a can because that's all he had left and um <laughs> so after that i was like if that event can happen why not do one in smithville 
So literally we lined up in September in front of a road close sign because our downtown at the time at Gravel Roads. And we put on a 50 and an 80. And uh, I'd also done uh, Wild Goose Chase, which is my buddy's race. They do a 50 and an 80 because in September you have less daylight. And then, so I said, hey, that, we had like 50 people show up. I'm like, well, I'm going to call that a success. We had no finish line. We had no chip timing. We literally stood there and wrote down people's numbers and times. Yeah. And we charged, we charged like 30 bucks a person. It was nothing. We got them a t-shirt and a, the, the thing that seals the deal for people to come here is there's a downtown barbecue restaurant and now there's another downtown bar and grill at the end of the race. We provide a meal for you. So you can go get a pulled pork sandwich or hamburger or vegan option. And it's on us. You don't have to remember to bring cash, go eat, drink some drink, beer, whatever you want to do on the square. We've got live music. We throw a little party and it's just a fun time. Um, like I said, it's 50 bucks. So it wasn't a, and it's a fundraiser for our parks. It helps put money into the trails because now we do have trails in our town. Um, we have one that goes from downtown to the lake, which is about two miles and it's all paved concrete. It's the, now it's the starting line and you come across the dam for the finish. Um, but we just threw it together and I was like this, let's see if this works. And pre pandemic, we were on the lap was doing a passport. We were the only city with two races because uh, Gudberg from Lauf actually came here and raced our race. Um, he's the guy who designed the fork, the lap fork. He, this was the only race he'd ever done in the Midwest other than dirty Kansas. And okay. he, he flew in on Thursday and stayed till Sunday. And the guy, I think he closed down every bar he could. We had a lot of fun. Um, he got to see our homecoming parade, which coming from Iceland, he'd never seen a, you know, small town homecoming parade. Um, he rode the 80 did not stop at any sags and finished like 10th. And we had some pretty fast, uh, he, he finished top 10. We had some pretty fast people. And then he just finished. He's like, Hey, that's fun. And drank beer with us all night and, and hung out and flew back. To and who, so, who is this again, Damien? Uh, he was the engineer that designed the Lauf fork. So okay. he was one of the chief engineer at Lauf before they went direct market. Um, but so he put us on the, the Lauf was going to do a passport for gravel racing, similar to kind of what, we're doing with this series but they were doing like an international series where you'd get a passport and you get a stamp at each race and then pandemic happened and their venture capital stuff happened where they went direct market so that kind of went away but we were the only place that had two stops because we had a may race and a september race um because we wanted to do two events here we were like this one is the competitive one this is the more fun one so now mm -hmm. may we've turned into just may is just do what you want ride it what you want um We've got a 200 miler, so people are out there uh, quite a while. So if somebody wants to party pace the 25, we don't care. If somebody wants to ride the 25 twice, somebody's asked me, if I ride the 25, I feel like doing it again, can I do it again? Yeah, go ahead. Because um, they want to get 50 in, but they're not want to commit to the 50. So right. um, we've had people take eight hours to finish the 25 because they stopped at every <laughs> gas station, restaurant, get margaritas, <laughs> go eat yeah. some tacos, just have fun. We had a couple folks that had tandems that had coolers on the back that took 10 hours no they took more than 10 hours i think closer to 12 hours to finish the 50 but they like just stopped everywhere and had fun and it was a good time so we have wow. follow cars we just tell them you know hey if you see somebody stopped at a gas station make sure they're okay um they'll catch up so it's fun times yeah we just want to have fun and ride bikes and we have kids events during the thing and live music all day and 
which is a downtown party. Oh, that's so much fun. Cause um, you know, maybe I might have to, I might want to sit with you guy you and just chat a little bit about your your strategy because I'm um putting one on well it's it'll be my second. So like like your first one, I just I did it really last minute. I had 25 people and um we used some local routes that a lot of people are familiar with for gravel and um I gave out gift certificates for people to go into the village and and eat um so we just made it really simple and um but this year we're adding um we're working with the community center that's in the village and uh for camping and we have a dj and food trucks and so taking it up a notch because i mean like really did last minute and i love what you guys are doing and um and just talking to to you and some of the other uh event organizers um uh just would love to collaborate not collaborate but like like you know pick your brain i guess yeah as as an event organizer yeah we go to what we've always our philosophy has always been and there's a couple of people that help me with this stuff and, and our philosophy on any event that we do because we do 5ks and do a few other uh, triathlons and different things we help oh, okay. put on is we want to do events that we wanted to do ourselves like yeah what, what would i and i always tell people that are helping and volunteering i'm like if you forget to do something you're the only one who's going to know that it was supposed to happen anyway so don't worry about it like don't stress out that you forgot to hand out something at the finish line that you didn't really advertise and was just going to be fun anyway and oh you forgot about it and somebody left the box of whatever sitting somewhere and you know you didn't have gummy bears at the finish line who cares like just <laughs> but but don't there's so many there's been a couple events that i know people have attended and i've been to a couple too that they're taking down the finish line when you finish like mm. they only they only want racers well guess what there's not that many of those and if you want your event to be big you've got and that's the one thing unbound and mid-south has always done right is they sit there bobby gives everybody a hug at mid-south i stand i try to stay at the finish line the whole day and just say you know cheer people on when they're coming in and make sure that there's somebody there for the last person and we've always done a last person award similar to what they do at mid-south like they want recognition too like they pay yeah. the entry fee yeah they're not fast because you know they're probably not sponsored it's probably a bucket list item for them. Those people are more important to me than somebody who's doing this every single weekend and, and racing it. And probably not paying for it, right? So it's, I, I like staying at the finish line. It's fun. Now, Damien, I have something to ask you because like I've heard this uh, in and around that some of the gravel races or maybe it's more mountain bike are starting to cater to more pros because more pros are starting to make the shift from road to gravel and they're making it harder for them for them specifically and then everybody else has to you know um do the same course but what do you think about that because you know when you're you're i totally get you make it fun and when it stops being fun it stops happening um and we want everybody to to feel um you know like they had a good time so what do you think about that kind of thing like you know being catered to the pros that are starting to you know make the transition so it's 
that's an interesting question i honestly have you seen that like and heard yeah yeah i definitely oh yeah of course yeah and you know they did the prize pool this past year in gravel racing for the different events that different people did and i like what this series is more right this is the let's give everybody some points and figure out what makes Mm -hmm. sense and and when we had actually talked about doing something similar here locally with some of Bobby Thompson and some of the other race directors that are here in the Midwest of doing a, not just the first, second, third, let's give something to the mid packers that are, that are showing up to every race. And let's give something to people that are at the bottom of the list that show up to every race and reward them just as much as we want to reward somebody who gets on the podium. And it's just like everything else once business and capitalism gets into it they're going to want it to be geared more towards pros to get more sponsorships and things like that but Mm. grassroots grassroots gravel events those aren't going to get the pro sponsorship and if people like you and i who are race directors don't keep them going Mm -hmm. that's one of the things i always try to figure out what's our secession planning for if i don't want to do this anymore that's why i made it a parks and rec event for fundraiser our parks director could run this event just as well as I could run this event properly. Um, Cause he knows it makes money for his parks department and it's a fun event to do. It's not just a 5k. Uh, those races are going to continue to happen. They're going to become more and more corporate. People might stop riding them, but everybody, you know, people still do Ironman in Hawaii that are probably not trained for it fully and, you know, get their name on the list or the New York marathon or the Boston marathon. Those are bucket list items for some people. There's still pros mm-hmm. at those events. They're still going to happen, but you can throw together a grassroots gravel event that's a zero dollar entry fee and people are going to show up and still have fun so yeah it depends on what your goal of your event is like my goal is not to uh, make money for me or for the shop the historically the saturday of the race is our lowest sales day every single year because every single person that works at this shop is outside putting air in somebody's tire or washing somebody's bike or making sure they have a good time we're not worried about selling hats mm-hmm. so, it, it is for the community. It's not for a business. You go to some of those other events, you sign up for those events that have these big lottery systems now. Yeah. And if you buy their, if you buy their Jersey, you get a little more up the moved up the line, right? If you commit to their training rides, you get a little move. Like, uh, it has a place. I and people see can that. Be, yeah. Mm-hmm. People can have their choice to do those events and that's fine. I will not pay for one of those events. If somebody wants to give me an entry to one of those events, I'll gladly go ride it and I will have a fun time. But I'd rather spend $35 on a, or, or $80 on a race that supports a local, you know, like you're talking about community center or something like that. Mm-hmm. that gets people to that town. And, you know, we have campgrounds too. That was one of our big things is putting the campgrounds on the registration where you can actually register for a camping site when you're yeah. registering for the bike race. Like, oh, you're a cyclist you might camp like you might have an mm-hmm. rv or you might just tent camp here's an I've add-on that's really easy for you yeah. for at an event twice two different events yeah. i love being on, one cool- on site like i think it's the best yeah and that's the one that is the one cool thing you know even though mid-south has grown it's still bobby's race you can camp on the courthouse lawn the night before and the night after and they allow for that so you don't have to buy a twelve hundred dollar hotel room. I know, <laughs> like, and you can bring your family, and that's what yeah. I did one event. Like, I'm like, okay, this time you guys are gonna come with me, and and you can bring your bikes, and you can bike around while mommy's biking, and because it was a circuit, so I would roll yeah. in every hour and a bit, and you know, and then I could see everybody. So it was it was really cool. 
Um, yeah, this might, that... we, we do a little bikeville event and my daughter who's outgrown this bike three bikes ago, she still has her race number on that bike. Cause that was her first <laughs> bike race and she got hurt. She, she, another girl had training wheels and they tangled up and she had to get a band aid in the ambulance and get treated <laughs> like she was really hurt. Like she was really hurt. Cause my yeah. friend is the one who had, is it, it, it her daughter my friend's daughter was only tangled up with her and she was in charge of the ambulance and she's like oh let's get her a band-aid and let's take good care of her even though it was just a scratch on the knee but that's still her race bike and she still remembers that and my wife hates cycling it's not comfortable for her she's never gotten to the point where she likes it but she'll go out on course to take fantastic pictures oh, and chase people down and that's amazing just like taking pictures so we need you definitely need someone who likes to take pictures and lots of them yeah, we usually have four or five photographers on course and they're all unpaid volunteers who just like taking pictures. Yeah. So they just publish them all on Facebook and let you grab pictures. Like that's the fun thing is finding your pictures mm -hmm. and not yeah. paying for them. Yeah, spotting you. Oh my God, on that hill. Yeah. <laughs> Those yeah. are the best we ones. Like to put them in, we like to put them in fun spots. Trail cameras are fun too. If you if you have a good spot that's like a B road, put out some trail cameras that people oh, don't know there's a photographer. Yeah, that's a great idea. Like a trail, like a video, like a video. Yeah, camera. like the like the or the just like the deer cameras. You know, the yeah, 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 yeah. Cellular hookup, and you can yeah get video or pictures of people being miserable. <laughs> that's a great idea. I love that, Damien. <laughs> I don't know if you throw a B road in your, but we always try to throw at least one dirt road that could be sloppy but won't break your bike like if it's nice walk, if you're if you have to walk it at least it's a pretty view yeah well i could think of um some hills that are or are always good like you know to get people coming up them you know, those yeah. are the best <laughs> those hill climbing pictures are are priceless yeah, we, <laughs> at the beginning of our course which it's not going to be at the beginning this year but in the last two years it's been the beginning there's a there's a wall it's called ridgely wall and it's literally a wall and anytime i'm training a new cyclist and, a, and they think they're ready for a hill i take them there and i'm like okay you stay here wait five minutes i'm gonna go get set up to take a picture of you doing your a video of you doing your first hill and it's like a 21 percent grade so oh my god it's literally it's and the funny thing it, you feel like you can get momentum to get up it so you're going down you hit a bridge but right before it, there's a hard dip from a creek and you lose all momentum and then you have to climb this thing and once you've got past the wall part of it you're like oh i'm done with this hill it keeps going for like a mile so oh, you climb so yeah so a lot of people jump off their bikes there and you know some people make it but it is really funny to watch somebody you know who thinks they're they know how to climb and, and then you teach them really quick that loose gravel plus high grade is it's harder than you think and they, they don't get in the right gear because it's a false yes that's well that's it's all about yeah. the gear that's yeah <laughs> oh well this is that's been, where yeah go ahead i say that that's where we always put a photographer on race day is that hill yep that would be the hill so i love it so everybody check out Humphrey's Gravel Adventure. And what's the website for that? It's on Bike Reg. So Bike Reg. Oh, Bike Reg. Okay. Yeah. So Gravel, uh, Humphrey's Gravel Adventure. Oh, yeah. Where did the name come from? Uh, the name came from Humphrey Smith, who's the founder of our town. So in uh, 
the late eight, or early 1800s, 1822. So we had a bicentennial race. That's where we started doing our 200. 1822, Humphrey Smith set up a mill here where the bike shop sits today was the edge of the United States. Before the Platte Purchase and Louisiana Purchase got annexed in, this was the end of the country. So he set up on the very end of the country because he was an abolitionist. He wanted to get away from slavery and he wanted to have a mill. And he founded the, the town here. Part of his last will and testament was his gravesite couldn't be disclosed until the slaves were freed, which didn't happen until you know, 40 years later, 50 years later. Um, he actually was in town for 22, 20, 22 years before he got tired. Once you set up a mill, then you start getting taverns and bars and different things. And he did not like the rowdiness of the people waiting to get their stuff milled. <laughs> so he, he went up to Iowa and then his son stayed here, his grandkids stayed here, but he came back eventually and was buried here. But yeah, it's named after him because we wanted to name something after the founder of our town. And, and back then they probably didn't have a, uh, many roads coming this way. And and from Smithville, you can ride to Canada and not hit a major city and stay on back roads. Pretty no much. way. Because uh, I was just we're thinking. We're on the north side of Kansas City. Because Tennessee, right, is Tennessee? No. Missouri. Kansas. Missouri. Yeah. So if I was, because I'm Canadian, everybody. Um, if I were thinking, so I know where Tennessee is. Um, where is it in proximity to that? Is it close to that? We is border it... Tennessee on this southeast corner of, South... of Missouri. So we're we're dead center in this middle of the United States. So if you if you go straight down from Minnesota, you hit Missouri. So okay. The, so the original cross country highway was called the Jefferson Highway. It went through Smithville back in the nineteen nineteen early nineteen hundreds, before the Depre Great Depression. It went from New Orleans to Winnipeg. Oh my gosh, really? Okay, so, so it's underneath Winnipeg. Yeah, so you could pretty much just take a gravel road north out of town and go all the way to Canada. That and avoid is... all the cities because all the cities are more to the east or the west, right? So you, right. if you needed to, you could go over to like Omaha or someplace or to Lincoln where, uh, you know, Gravel Worlds is. Um, but yeah, you could tie uh, Sarah Cooper. She runs a lot of the races in Iowa. Uh -huh. um, she's our 200 mile record holder uh she came back and did it the second year just to, to do better um she's an ultra cyclist she does a lot of events uh she does like a trans iowa it's iowa wind and rock now but originally it used to be trans iowa they stopped doing trans iowa she started doing iowa wind and rock which is a all q sheet 100 q sheet no gps file you show up at a grocery store at four o'clock in the morning to get your q sheets uh, oh my god it's like an mile. adventure race it's 340 miles. And if you don't hit your cutoff, you don't get your, you have 34 hours to finish. So that's the type of event she puts on because she's a different kind of crazy. Um, that is crazy because I used to adventure race. Yeah. And you can hit her part of her routes if you go north of here. Um, and then, you know, mm -hmm. all of Minnesota, there's all kinds of gravel, great gravel routes around here. And most of it's limestone. So it's not going to destroy your bike. Right wow oh my gosh everybody i hope for those of you who are listening that you've taken lots of notes like i actually have of lots of things to do and to make sure that you go to bike reg look up humphrey's gravel adventure for anyone there's a promo code to get 25 percent off and the code is i love gravel and you can go and do that right now um and uh geez 
Oh my God. Thank you, Damien. Sorry, Mayor Damien. <laughs> I have to say, throw that in there. But for being uh, a guest on the podcast, I have learned a really a lot of, a lot of things. Um, I, appreciate, and, I appreciate it. Yeah. Cause like I said, when I was talking to Pam, I'm like, I love learning about what's going on in the States. And I'm like, Canada is pretty, I don't know. It's either like super big and just, but not, I don't, I find that there's just, um, there's a lot more going down in there, but not, and that's another reason why putting on an event up here is important to me. Um, also, cause I love organizing and I love riding and I love racing. Um, and I love that my community is really on board with tourism and bringing people in there and just showcasing, uh, the gravel that, that uh, is around me. So I want to thank you so much for making the time. Um, and uh, yeah, I have to go and look up where Smithville, Smithville, Missouri is. Cause that's, uh... <laughs> <laughs> I've been like, I've, I've driven across the United States um, and been to a couple places, but I have, I don't believe I passed through Missouri. I've been to Oklahoma. I I always tell people that uh, we are way closer to the airport than Emporia. We still have a 200 mile course and <laughs> it's a lot cheaper. So if you want us to hit a really nice hotel that's cheaper than, uh, you know, what uh, it costs to go to, to that other race down south. Um, and we're, that we're other race scheduled it, <laughs> we, we scheduled it a couple weeks before that race because it's a good training time. If you're tapering down for mm. 200 miles, you can come do our hundred three weeks before, and it's about your training schedule. So oh, I think I know which one you're talking. And we about. actually, we actually <laughs> designed the uh, our sags to mirror whatever they're doing that year. So if they're putting a sag at sixty, we were putting our sag at sixty. So it's a good training ride for, and we're and we're in a good spot between mid south and, and unbound. Oh, there it was. <laughs> there it is. There it is. Because actually, I put my name in for it this year. <laughs> 200 well you know damien i made a little bit of mistake <laughs> and i put my name in i think that's the longest one right the xl is the longest yeah is the long one. so i made the mistake and put my name in for that and i got it well, and now awesome. i got a phone and say hey i just kind of want to do the 100 kilometers or the 60. the 100 mile yeah you can do the three you can do it it's uh, it's, it's all mental I, I had, I took, so I took a sabbatical last year after Cannonball. I, so Cannonball 550 is a lot of the same route as the Unbound Core. It's still the Flint Hill starts and ends right in front of the Granada in Emporia. Um, but it's a free, it's a free event. It's a 550 mile bikepacking event. And Whoa. I rode it, I rode part of it in 2021. And then I had just done North parts of North South Colorado. That's a couple weeks before that. And I had pretty tough, tight schedule that year. And my wife was not happy with me. And I said, I said, you know what, I'm going to take a year off of, I'm going to take a year off of events. And I, I was literally going to take all of 2022 off and not ride any organized events. And uh, we were driving and I said something about Brahms, which is down here, the ice cream place. It's an important, the closest one's important because the, it's got to be within 200 miles of their dairy. 
And she goes, well, you, you should do cannonball this year. You haven't done anything this year. And this was like three weeks before the event. And uh, I said, I haven't even, I, I had put my Fargo up. I, I have a titanium Fargo bikepacking bike. I had put it up and I literally hadn't touched it all year. I rode a total of under 30 miles in 2022. <gasps> what? Um, really? I, I literally like... said I wasn't going to touch it. I said, I'm not touching a bike. I did a lot of yoga. I did other stuff. Oh, okay conditioning type of stuff yeah but i'm like i'm not going to ride and she goes we well, should go do cannonball you haven't done anything this year you can go see your friends and go do cannonball i did 120 miles the first day on a fully loaded <laughs> bikepacking rig through some of the hardest train and it rained most of the day and oh. i went to the mexican place the night before with everybody i stopped in alma which is when i went the sags for last year uh, when uh, dk i don't think i've been back through there since then um, they had a really nice little Mexican restaurant that I stopped and had some tacos and margaritas and because I knew I was going to have 40 miles to ride in the dark to get to the next town. Mm -hmm. And I ended up doing 200 and some miles in two days. And, you know, it's all it's all mental. If you go into the attitude of I can do 350 miles and um, it's just riding my bike and pedaling and eating junk food from convenience stores, <laughs> you'll be fine. If you go in and try <laughs> to race the hundred or the, you know, you're going to be in this big rollout and if, if you like taking pictures and, and, and having fun, go do the 350. If you don't finish it, at least you maybe get. Is there a cutoff or can you like. What's... There's a cutoff on the 350. It's it's you have 30 some hours to do it, but you, right. you roll out. You, you got to roll out in a smaller group with more people cheering for you. And then you still come in the same finish line. So mm. just learn how to take couple naps in a ditch and or and eat some convenience store food and you'll be fine well you know i used to do adventure races so 36 hours 48 hours yeah. eight days like but that was 15 years ago <laughs> yeah it's still muscle memory you'll 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 be fine you know and i it. think don't. about that because we used to like we used to have to bike sometimes for like 40, you know, like 36 hours yeah, for those long ones, right? Like long mountain biking, like long. What's what more fun of a story would it be to say like, oh, I finally registered for Unbound and I did the 350 and like, oh, how many times do you do that 200? You're like, oh, I've never done it. Like, <laughs> I've never been there. I, I just decided why not go big or go home. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know what? The thing is that I got so excited because I put my name that that's what I was going to do. And I'm not even realizing with the distance that it was for. And I'm like, yeah, I put <laughs> my girlfriend's like, you know, that's like 350 miles. I was like, uh, really? <laughs> and I'm like, what do you what do you what do you ride? Oh, my God. Well, it's it's a newer brand. It's called a Montu Capus Copus. Um, so it's a new brand bike. And um, I'm getting, I'm upgrading my components because um, I raced on it this summer and I race hard. Like I race hard. Um, I'm like, yeah. And so I had to upgrade some components on it. Um, it is a packing bike though. Um, yeah. If you can get like, a, if you can get like a 48, 45C on there and just, you'd be, perfectly fine you know make sure you have a bag to throw your food in but casey's pizza will get you through a lot of things and, and... <laughs> so okay well maybe maybe we should um you know what maybe if you're open i'd have you come back and we'll talk about racing packing strategies 
Would okay. you be? Would Would you be You'll open for that? Absolutely. That's what because so, yeah, I would and, need that. <laughs> yeah, we do. I, I I love. So, um, if you want to listen to a fun, just two guys being idiots podcast, listen to the Orange <laughs> Mud podcast that I was on with Josh. Um, Josh Bregu owns Orange Mud. Uh, he and I do stupid things like go and sign up to do 750 miles across South Dakota. And he, I was at the finish line when he finished trans South Dakota and his battery had died 11 miles out on a 750 mile race <laughs> on his axis. So he's literally going in on granny gear for the last 11 miles. Oh, fuck God. <laughs> you just imagine like you're high cadence and you can't go anywhere. Like it's the flat part and you're finally, you're finally through all this hell. <laughs> and we just we we do dumb things and he's got some stories but he owns you know he created the he was an adventure racer he created the adventure the orange mud packs because he was oh, usually he's behind a, he used some, to be an adventure racer yeah so he would be behind people and see their packs flopping around he's like i can make something better than that and so yeah we talk uh, when we did our podcast together we just talk about dumb dumb stupid things uh that for endurance but he does comes up and does cannonball I called him last year. I was like, Josh, when are you going to get to the hotel? He's like, oh, I'll be there tomorrow. I'm like, dude, the race starts tomorrow morning. He thought it was a Saturday start, not a Friday start. And <laughs> in, typical, <laughs> in, in a typical ultra racer, crazy non-plan, you know, he's a planner, but not that much of a planner. Um, he decided at like 3 a.m. that morning, he lives in Round Rock, Texas. He got in his car and decided, oh, I'm going to go ahead and drive like the 10 hours to get to the starting line. I know I'll be late. And then he caught most of us. Oh, is that a kick the in the face? Call, <laughs> he, call, he calls me. He calls me, and he's like, "I might have to buy shoes when I get to Emporia because I think I, I know I have one of my cycling shoes, but I don't know if I have the other one." Because he grabbed everything in the middle. You know of the night what? I know track. people like that. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, he he and I have done some events, but then you got guys that I ride with, like Ty Bragg and, and Peggy Bradley. Pe Peggy is on. Uh, if you look at the Orange Mud calendar this year, Peggy's on there. Ty's on there. If you look at the Cannonball starting list. A lot of the starters and a lot of the probably the majority of the finishers for the last three years have came out of my they're part of the co-op. Um, Peggy, I think, is the only the third female ever to finish Cannonball. Um, she's a planner. She has an Excel, she's the, she prints out Excel sheets for me of like this is every gas station, truck stop, mm. park, bench on the whole 550 mile route <laughs> that you could possibly if you if you need a place to take a nap, like here's this, this you need this kind of Mountain Dew. This is like She's a planner. Ty, he's on the calendar this year too. He's a planner. I'm not. I, I mean, I I keep my bike bike packed with the stuff I know I'm going to need on it. Like, if minimalist? it's I'm like I can minimalist. Yes, under fifty pounds on the uh, bike. I, yeah. I know that if I know that if I have a flat, I know my stuff's on there because I never take it off. Right. Mm -hmm. yeah. And if I need to sleep um, and I want a comfortable bed, I have a credit card. Like if I want to sleep, been, on the bench, I, can I can sleep, sleep anywhere. <laughs> I've been one of those, yeah. and I fall asleep on my bike too before. Yeah, well, some of the some of the guys I ride with, they started doing this thing. Um, <laughs> they do eight minute naps, so they set their phone alarm for eight minutes and put it oh, on yeah. their chest, and then sit down. And on five hundred fifty, I think they did three eight minute naps. I'm good with a fifteen minute. Yeah, like yeah, you could easily do the three fifty. You'd be fine. Okay, you know what. I think you're making me feel better about this because I was just about to call them and say, hey, I think, um, can you like move me over? But all right. So everybody who's listening, we're, I know we're, we're just rambling now. So, 
So would you yeah, you love to out. have Damien back? And maybe some of his buddies. We could get a whole gang um, together uh, and, and do a podcast on how to prepare for an endurance ride so you can help me survive 500. Because I know what I do for adventure racing, but it's multi-sport and it's not just cycling. Um, yeah. But uh, anyways, so thank you so much, Damien. Thank you, everybody. No Make sure that you go check out his event. Again, Humphreys Gravel Adventure. And use the code I Love Gravel to get 25% off registration. Go check it out. And thank you very much. And have an amazing day, everyone. Bye. Bye. Thank you so much for spending this time with me on the Secrets from the Saddle podcast learning more about sighting people, places, and things that make cycling such an exciting sport. I am so glad you stopped by today. Please leave me a review if you feel so moved to do so. I would love to hear your feedback. And if you could take one second to share this episode with someone you think would enjoy it, I would be forever grateful. Also, if you could please leave me a review if you feel so moved by going to iTunes and leaving me an honest thought and an honest comment telling me what you think and most importantly, tell me what you'd like to hear more of. It would really help me to bring more great, inspiring cycling stories to you. Until then, have an amazing day. Make sure you ride your bike. And don't forget to visit my YouTube channel if you'd like to see the full version of this podcast live.